0: Welcome to Open Bar Season 2. Each month, Open Bar brings you a discussion about legal trends, cases, and laws, as it tries, not too hard though, to keep members of the legal profession on top of current issues and development in the legal field. And now, here's Jason, Ria, and Kara.
1: You're here to listen into episode two of season two of the Open Bar. Kara here. I know we've diversified our content to include policy and health in the past few episodes, including that of season one. But for this episode, we are going back to our roots. We're having a legal discussion, though I can't promise that we won't <laughs> touch on
2: politics. This is Ria. It's November, and here in the Philippines, well, you know. When the Burmans come in, Christmas will be in the air. But with the elections um, approaching, we can also say that this the election season. So, dear listeners, think of this episode as an early Christmas present from the open bar because we will be hearing from a Comelec official.
3: This is Jason. Allow me to reveal episode 2's guest. He is author to several books on election law, a newspaper columnist, a law professor. Our guest has been working for the COMELEC for the past more or less 17 years. Um, let us hear it from Attorney Ferdinand Garcia C. Gohilde.
1: Welcome, sir. Yes.
0: Thank
4: you Good morning. for joining us in our yeah, humble thank home. You.
0: Yeah.
3: Thank you for
4: the invitation also.
2: Hi friends. It's Hello. very kind of you to make time for us as we know you're very much in demand. We see you <laughs> on TV, on blogs and practically every MCLE seminar across That's the country. True. Yeah, so happy to have you here so our <laughs> listeners can hear you speak. Um by the way, friends, uh, a little trivia. Freddie is also a very good singer.
5: <laughs>
2: no <laughs> no you for, gracing, yeah, for gracing this episode.
4: <laughs> 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 well, all, we I
1: Well, we won't get to the singing part, sir. If you'll allow me to ask the first question, um, okay. maybe we will be spared from the singing portion if we <laughs> fully maximize it for question and okay. answer. So, um, sir, um, I'm one election season young in my legal career. So, this is a bit of an embarrassing question. So, um, to be frank, um, this is kind of a beginner question. So, uh, we have with us another automated election, but, um, the election, uh, the thing that sets 2022 20, elections apart is that it's going to commence in what we, would surmise is still going to be in the middle of a pandemic. Um, there's quite nothing like it in recent memory. So um, for the first question, what do you think um, lawyers should prepare for in the 2022 elections? And, and in relation to that, uh, what are the areas which are quite critical for legal services?
4: Ah, okay. See, I think pretty much the same. No? Uh, Insofar as the health protocols are concerned, they are... I think they're all in place. And uh, the Comelec resolutions that just came out uh, actually referred to IATF guidelines as part and parcel of our minimum health protocols. So if the question is how should lawyers prepare, I think pretty much the same way. However, I think the uh, most crucial part there is because number one, uh, lawyers are not allowed inside the polling place on election day. And by polling place, I mean the classroom where you cast your vote. But normally we say that's the precinct. It's not. Under the law, it's called the polling place. Now, lawyers are not allowed inside the polling place on election day except to vote. Okay, so now the crucial part there for lawyers is to train the watchers for their candidates because these watchers are actually the virtual lawyers inside the polling place on yes. election day. So I think that's the most crucial part of preparation in so far as representing a candidate or political is concerned.
1: So you're seeing, sir, it's actually the months leading up to the election which form uh, much of the legal services, because it's in the education of the staff, uh, that'll be sent to the polling places.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, I think uh, the candidates should Let's even start know that, that. <laughs> uh, the, the candidates should even know that even during registration of voters, that's when they should start engaging the services of a lawyer, because it's yeah. part and parcel of the preparation. Okay, for registration palam. Of course, I'm not saying, I'm not endorsing lawyers, no, pero that would appear to be an incidental part of our profession that uh, we really need to to give uh, uh, sound advice to candidates as early as voters' registration.
1: And on election D day, sir, um, you don't foresee anything in particular uh, special than uh, what we've done in the previous years? um at least in when it comes to legal services
4: mm-hmm. not much no because i think even during canvassing I, I think during canvassing that's where the lawyers are allowed as opposed to voting or counting inside the polling place canvassing is the venue for lawyers on election day that would be very boring because virtually lawyers just wait for wait, transmissions please. yeah for <laughs> transmissions there's no more pre-proclamation wait. controversy yeah? so lawyers cannot grandstand anymore lawyers cannot articulate anymore unless, unless. Uh, they're going to invoke very limited grounds for a pre-proclamation controversy so lawyers just have to wait including the canvases. they just have to wait for the buttons because uh, during canvassing uh, there's going to be a LCD showing the buttons for all polling places so if these buttons are still red it means that the results from that polling place are not yet transmitted if it's yellow, it's transmitted but still in uh, in outer space, probably no, uh, waiting to be in. Then if it's green, it means that the results from the polling place is already transmitted. So all we need to do is just wait for all polling places to turn green and that's it. We can generate the Certificate of Proclamation. But, uh, sir,
3: in relation to that, uh since lawyers are not allowed in polling and polling places anymore, uh, of course, there's nothing to prevent candidates from appointing lawyers as poll watchers, no?
4: Yes, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing to prevent. However, it might be condescending on the part of the lawyer. Well, it depends on your pride, no? Yes, <laughs> but think it, for lawyers to be appointed as watchers, that might be condescending. But there's no prohibition. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that that's that's a good observation because there are actually two instances by which a lawyer can get inside the polling place on election day. Number one is, like I said, when they vote, and number two is when they accept appointment as a watcher inside the polling place, and that would be very uh, a very pricey watcher. No? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, first, right now, I'm I'm sure uh, a very popular election related topic is that of substitution right so well we'd like to specifically ask that um what's really the purpose of substitution of candidates belonging to the same party mm. in case of withdrawal
4: yeah withdrawal so yeah of course people are asking why why does an independent candidate uh, why 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 can't we replace an independent candidate now the reason is because Substitution pertains only to persons belonging to the same political party because in case of withdrawal or death or disqualification, there is a party representation that must be continued. That's the reason. As opposed to independent candidates, they don't have a party, so there's nothing much to be continued except where we're talking about barangay elections where a candidate can still be replaced only in case of death and only by the surviving spouse.
2: Oh okay. Or persons having the same surname?
4: No, not, not in so far as the Barangay elections is concerned, no. Pero if we focus our topic on the automated elections, like the national and local elections, mm. the requirement for same surname applies only to substitution in so far as death and disqualification is concerned after November 15 until midday of election day. Uh, midday of election day, yes. Oh, okay. Mm. So, Bali, there, uh, there, are, there are three grounds for substitution. No? One is death, of course. Number two is disqualification with finality for any cause. And the other one is withdrawal. So if you're going to talk about withdrawal, you can actually withdraw until media of election day. But the question is, can you still be replaced? The answer is not anymore if it is after November 15, 2021. So, so, what's so special about November 15, 2021? It's not really about that date, but the day after. Because after November 15, 2021, that's when the COMELEC starts to finalize the templates for printing of the official ballots. So, if you withdraw and may be replaced, that should be on or before November 15. So, what's the reason why there is a difference? Kasi, pag withdrawal until November 15 lang substitution. Pag death or disqualification until mid of election day provided same surname. What's the difference? Because according to the Supreme Court, death and disqualification, these are involuntary causes. Yes. So, okay. As opposed to withdrawal, you have a lot of time to contemplate. Am I going to pursue my candidacy? Am I going to withdraw? So there is a deadline for withdrawal. Pero again, no, let me emphasize that for withdrawal you can actually withdraw until mid of election day. But you cannot anymore be replaced. The replacement happens only or it's allowed on or before November 15. 2021 for purposes of finalizing templates for ballot printing.
2: Yeah. So the well the grounds are not of the candidate's own volition.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, That's except for uh, allowed, uh, <laughs> allowed.
2: Well, well, in light of recent events <laughs> with uh you know politicians hopping from one party to another, well, apparently for convenience, um do you think it's high time to revisit this provision?
4: Yeah, I think there is, there is a proposal not to remove withdrawal as a ground for substitution. Pero if you look at that, Mangoda, uh, I think uh, under the Omnibus Election Code, withdrawal was placed as a ground for substitution with the presumption that candidates do that in good faith. Yes. Diba? So the problem now is it would seem to be abused already. So it could be that, okay, let's remove it na lang because it's being abused. But should the answer first be proper exercise prior to removal. But of course, if we say proper exercise, do we expect really proper exercise from these candidates? I don't think so. So it really <laughs> depends on Congress now because the Commonwealth is only there to implement what Congress legislates. However, okay, I also don't think it might pan out in Congress because it might be legislating against their class interest. Right? Because maybe these people are just saying, ah, oh, let's remove, uh, let's remove uh, withdrawal. Because it's not yet convenient for them. What if it becomes convenient to them at some future time? Later Should time. they still pursue to legislate, to remove this from uh, as a ground of substitution? I don't know. It depends on Congress.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> or maybe Wait, they can so- come up with a law that um, the effectivity would be after their terms shall have ended. Uh, yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that might be a welcome uh, development because it would seem to be not a self-serving legislation anymore.
0: Yes. Yeah.
4: Okay, um,
3: we now turn to a question that must have entered into many legal minds in light of recent political switches. Um, Can uh, these last-minute substitutions be considered as a mockery of the electoral process such that the substitutes may be declared by the COMELEC as nuisance candidates? Ferdi, because uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, until there is a law enacted, no? uh, but, yes. uh, so, but while there's still no law, can these mm-hmm. uh, last-minute substitutions be considered as uh, mm-hmm. a mockery of our electoral process?
4: Yeah, uh, it's actually a matter of opinion. You know, if you look at the intentions there, uh, well, we can actually say that no, because there are a lot of last-minute uh, substitutions. And if you look at the candidate who filed the COC first, Some of them are even virtual unknowns, right? So these are actually candidates whose only intent to file a COC might be just to be a placeholder. So the question there actually is, when you file the COC and your only purpose is to to hold that particular position for another, for purposes of substitution, you're actually mocking the entire election process. And in fact, that might even go into the territory of you being considered a, a nuisance candidate. Because uh, one of the grounds by which you can say we're a nuisance candidate is lack of bona fide intention to run for public office. So if your intention is only to hold that particular place for another, there's actually no intention to run for public office. So it could mock the entire election process. However, what did we say? Intent. It's a state of mind. How do we gauge intent? So that's the problem there. That's really the problem there. However, for these candidates whose only uh, intention is to Hold the place for another, they must make sure that they cannot be considered a nuisance candidate and that their COC is in order because otherwise, if their COC has a problem, like insofar as qualifications is concerned, they cannot be replaced. Because if you are not qualified to begin with, like for example, you just filed the COC para mailisan ka, and then it turned out that you are actually a dual citizen, which is a disqualification. So if you're disqualified to begin with, you're not a valid candidate to begin with. So you cannot be replaced. That's what happened to, anu, it's yeah. para mas relatable. That's what happened to Richard Gomez and Lucy Torres before. Yeah. Richard Gomez was disqualified because he lacked residence in Ormoc City.
0: Yeah. He was
4: replaced by Lucy Torres. And yet the COMELEC and the Supreme Court said that is an invalid substitution because Richard is not a candidate to begin with. So that's something that they need to look into if you want to run for the sake of reserving that place for another.
3: Okay, so even even placeholders now are not just uh, limited to virtual unknowns, no? <laughs> Kahit, mm, yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 they are That's even right, right?
4: Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, of course, I cannot mention anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right.
1: All right. So we're already half an episode in. Um, I don't know if anybody noticed the time. So um, the open bar will be right back. And when we get back, we will talk about the two-party system. Uh, there's one particular presidential aspirant who talked about that. And hot off the press, uh, there's Comelec Resolution 10730, which was promulgated just last November 17. So the open bar will be right back.
5: Ang pagsusuot ng mask ay nakakatulong na mahadlangan ang pagkalat ng COVID-19. Dapat kang magsuot ng mask kapag nasa labas ka sa publiko o anumang oras na malapit ka sa isang taong hindi nakatira sa iyong sambahayan. Kung ikaw ay may sakit at nakikipag-ugnayan sa iba sa bahay at kapag nangangalaga ka ng isang taong may sakit sa bahay. Hindi dapat magsuot ng mga mask ang mga batang wala pang dalawang taong gulang, sinumang huminga, o sinumang hindi kayang alisin ang mask na walang tulong mula sa isa pang tao. Upang matuto ng higit pa, bisitahin ang cdc.gov coronavirus.
1: And we're back here at the open bar. Uh, Sir Ferdi, just just this week, a presidential aspirant talked about a return to the two-party system. What's your way on this?
4: Ah, yeah, okay. Now, the background there actually is before we had two-party system, right? However, at the onset of the 1987 Constitution, they felt that there was a need to democratize the party system in the Philippines, exactly why they incorporated a multi-party system. In fact, there is party list now, so it actually democratizes opportunities for public service. However, sa atong nakita, because of the multi-party system, partly lang, one of the factors maybe is because the multi-party system has been abused, these candidates, they actually lost grasp of what is actually a political party. It's not anymore a political party based on principles, it's now a political party based on convenience and probably survival. So we don't actually see... Real political parties now, exactly why, you, you know, even in the process of substitution, everyone can hop from one, from one party to another just to suit their plans, right? So it has been abused. So maybe, okay, if we can go back to the two-party system, I don't think it might make a difference because the problem really is how these candidates or how these politicians behave. It's not anymore based on party interests, party lines, party principles, it's now based on personal survival, personal convenience.
1: So you're I don't trying know. to I'm say, sorry. Sir, That's my it's annoyance. not the political system, but the mm-hmm. people who are mm-hmm. in the political system. I mean, the people who are running the show.
4: Yeah, I think that has been the annoy, the political culture. So, of course, uh, the way to change that is dapat uh, both ways. Eh? Like, we change the party system at the same time, the politicians. But do we honestly believe that we can change the mindset of these politicians? I don't know.
5: Okay.
2: Yeah. first. Yeah. Yes. Last November, um, I think that was seventeen. Um, COMEDEC uh, promulgated resolution number ten seven three seven three zero. Uh, yeah, After much speculation and perhaps anticipation. So we now have um, these comedic guidelines for the 2020 elections. I'm, I'm sure that many lawyers have not had the chance yet to peruse it. But we do know that in-person campaign is now allowed, right? So um, if you may, can you take us through the salient features, especially those um, important changes or adjustments <laughs> in view of um, the pandemic?
4: Yeah, and I can see two very resilient points in so far as the resolution is concerned vis-a-vis the pandemic. Number one is after in-person campaign, uh, the political party staff are required to submit to the COMELEC within 72 hours an affidavit of compliance with health protocols. That's one. Then another one is we now allow e-rallies or live streaming no so uh, the requirement there is they need to identify that it is intended to be a political rally or meeting for that particular candidate or that particular political party and at the same time they need to record that entirely and submit to the EID the Info- uh, education and information department of the COMELEC within 72 hours for monitoring so ano i mga changes but I think what I need to emphasize here is, diba, this is all about campaigning. This particular resolution actually yeah. implements the Fair Elections Act. And the Fair Elections Act actually goes into the heart of campaigning in elections. So I think the biggest question, like everybody's asking about this, now, how come right now it's not yet campaign period? Because campaign period starts on ano pa, February 8th for national candidates and March twenty-five for local candidates. But how come today, as early as today, we can see a lot of political advertisements. So what is the Comelec doing? So, of course, there was a vice mayor candidate. After filing sa COC, she went around the municipality in a motorcade, waving to supporters, announcing her candidacy. And that in itself is already a campaign or partisan political activity. And so she was disqualified by the Comelec for premature campaign. But she went all the way up to the Supreme Court and then the Supreme Court asked the Comlec or reminded the Comlec, why did you set the period to file COC earlier than usual? Like now, it's October 1 to 8, and yet elections is like a good seven months away. So why too early? The reason is because you need more time to print the official ballots. Because yeah. the official ballots for automated elections, the names of the candidates must be printed on the face of the official ballots. So then the Supreme Court said, if that's the premise, you just need more time to print the ballots. If a person files a certificate of candidacy, that person then is not yet considered a candidate for the purpose of campaign rules and regulations. That person is only a candidate for the purpose of ballot printing. So what is the implication? So according to the Supreme Court, if that's the case, after filing the COC before campaign period, whatever that candidate do or say to promote his candidacy, that is not any more premature campaign. That is freedom of expression. Mm. So exactly why today, until the day before campaign period, the COMELEC has no jurisdiction. Many people come to us, sa you're such an inutile government agency, you're not controlling these candidates. That is freedom of expression. We have no jurisdiction. Yes. So the question again is, so are we powerless? Because it's freedom of expression. Well, we can still enforce local ordinances on littering, billboards, and also civil code provisions on nuisance, if we're so bothered by these uh, political advertisements. So right now, we have no jurisdiction. That's freedom of expression. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you and, just have the usual remedies.
4: Yeah. For always, Mangodre, you know, for always, it's like this. No? Between the power of the COMELEC to regulate campaign, and the constitutional right to freedom of expression, in it's case of else, the Supreme Court would always resolve in favor of freedom of expression. Yeah, rightfully so. That's what democracy is all about. Yes. Yes. Um,
2: first you also, yeah, yes, golf. Go ahead, Jason.
3: <laughs> yeah, for our, for our last question, and uh, this is still relative to the Common guidelines, guidelines, no? the recently issued one. Uh, Section nine of the guidelines speaks of uh, speaks of requirements or limitations on the use of election propaganda through mass media. Now, uh, how does uh, COMELEC intend to monitor or regulate mm-hmm. the social yeah, yeah. media advertising of the candidates?
4: Ah, okay. ah, that's a good question. That all me uh, uh, media entities, uh, if they receive an uh, if they receive an advertisement, for example, if there's going to be a placement of advertisement on their radio or TV or newspaper, for example, they are mandated by law to furnish the COMELEC with a copy of the contract of advertisement within five days from the date of uh, signing, you know, from the date of execution. So because of that, the COMELEC is informed as to the duration, frequency, frequency, and size of the campaign materials, and very importantly, as to the cost of advertisement. Okay, so that's actually what happened to ER Ejercito. Okay, lang atong kaso, para mas relatable. <laughs> okay, now we still have time. It's like, it's like this, no? It work. Uh, ER, ER Ejercito ran for governor in Laguna. Now, what happened there is Laguna only has 1.5 registered voters. So, the campaign expense limitation is 3 pesos per registered voter. So, roughly, he only was entitled to 4.5 million pesos. Now, 4.5 million pesos, maximum campaign expense. However, he placed advertisement with ABS-CBN alone to the tune of 21 million pesos. So, karun, diyon sa pagkahibawa sa Comelec nganong dunay advertisement with ABS-CBN worth 21 million pesos because ABS-CBN... As a matter of duty is mandated by law to furnish commonly with a copy of the contract of advertisement so kadto pa lang, sa kontrata pa lang, nakita nga he overspent already okay so now his, uh, one of his ano, one of his defenses actually was i didn't pay for it it was donated in my favor however in so far as campaign expenses is concerned it does not only it is not only limited to your personal expense from your pocket it also includes contribution from third persons, and you cannot deny that it is donated in your favor because pag donation, di ba? We know do donay acceptance, accept. So that was counted against him. So lakpas kayo exactly why he was disqualified by the Kamalet. Sir, how about how about
3: regulation or monitoring of uh, uh, campaign um,
4: propaganda uh, through the? Use of mass media, ah, social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question, okay? caning social media or caning technology. It's like technology is more advanced than the law. Yes. The law cannot contemplate uh, or cannot contemplate or anticipate, okay, the technology advancement. So pero in so far as the uh, campaign rules are concerned. The candidates now and the political parties are required by the Comelec to register with the Comelec their websites used or blogs used to promote their candidacy. Okay, I think the so websites, ibang makagasto man So that's where we monitor. That's where we monitor the expenses.
2: But that but, uh, is only but, uh, in so far as um, those registered accounts. Yes. What about yes. Oh, <laughs> um, yes. Exactly,
0: yes. Huh?
1: accounts or websites <laughs> like are
2: not um, registered oh. but are, mm. well, endorsing? Mm-hmm. Uh, certain
4: candidate yeah but of course uh, if, if we monitor uh, legal accounts with more reason that we should monitor illegal or fake accounts diba <laughs> so but of course it's a matter of it's a matter of evidence so how do we prove nga gikang yudenesya siya sa kandidato exactly why I said it's so hard to implement that it's so hard to run after technology because the law is lagging behind eh, in so far as enforcement is concerned
1: Right, uh, but at least in uh, the thing that caught my attention, sir, as I was combing through the provisions, this is probably the first uh, guidelines wherein in. They actually gave a definition for a meme. It's part in the so I said, okay, they're they're trying to keep up. Um, so I, I share the same concern with Ria with respect to registered and unregistered. Uh, there's really just so much you can do. Um, a lot of these activities online. Um, One, you know, a politician could argue that I can't stop my supporters if they create a page on Facebook, things like that. And another concern that's not only uh, beleaguered the Philippine elections, but also in the U.S., these so-called troll farms, uh, they're basically technology related, and they... There's an accusation that, you know, they help turn the tide in public opinion and help shape the election. So... Uh, a lot of things to uh, to talk about with respect to information technology and social media.
4: Mm. Yeah, maybe, no? Maybe I think your question is going into uh, something, uh, do we have a control in so far as the content is concerned? Okay, di ba, If these are fake accounts, these are just coming from the trolls, so chances are puro mm. ni The problem is in so far as the common jurisdiction is concerned, yes, okay. our authority is only to regulate Content neutral or to promulgate content neutral regulations. So, earlier I said we only limit size, frequency, duration, and place where you place your campaign materials. So, like for example, your poster must not exceed two by three. However, what's inside the poster? What's the content? Do we have jurisdiction? We don't have a jurisdiction because in one case the Supreme Court said, Kamalek, your jurisdiction is only limited to content neutral regulations, like incidence of speech, how long, how short, frequency, in what manner. But when you go into content-based uh, regulations, the comalek has no jurisdiction. So for example, the candidate would say, I was maligned. That's too libelous. That's too below the belt. Mm-hmm. The comalek has no jurisdiction. It now pertains to libel and the jurisdiction is somewhere else, not within the comalec However, in 2019 elections, the Comelec also provided there that if the content of the campaign materials is uh, maybe seditious or libelous or obscene, you can petition Comelec so that it can, be, uh, it can be taken down or it can be uh, removed from circulation. So in other words, mga, pamaka, mga fake news, mga memes, blah, 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 damaging, right? It will impair the judgment of the people. So, diba? Dapat sa election, informed judgment eh. So, now it becomes misinformed judgment. Oh my God. <laughs> However, the government comilic- is so crippled because we only, we only are allowed into content neutral regulations. So, maybe the question there pertains to the bar of public opinion. So, like I said, if these things are happening and sorry to say, but if you look at the trend, no, majority of electorate are not yet that mature to exercise suffrage or the right to vote so I don't think our democracy works the way it should work because I think our electorate is not prepared to properly handle or exercise the rights granted under a democracy that's the problem I think I don't think that happens during our lifetime and maybe in the next in so far as education is concerned I don't know am Am I cynical? (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) no, even, you know what, even uh, even the Supreme Court recognizes this, no? The Supreme Court said, nang daw sa Senado? Diba? Before the Senate was composed of the best of the best of the best. The statesmen. Diba? We the had, had tough-notchers there. We had uh, uh, statesmen. Diba? Pure statesmen. But now, according to the Supreme Court, the basis to winning a Senate seat is now named Recall. Yeah. Not anymore the credentials, name recall na lang, so pasikatay na lang, di So, exactly why people just dance their way to the Senate and they get elected. <laughs> di <Diba? laughs> la. <laughs> So, I don't know. Uh, exactly why the challenge there is, how do we educate the electorate? And by education, I'm not saying within the walls of the classroom, but I don't know. Educating them just to tell them maybe teaching discernment on how to differentiate Right from wrong, I think that's so basic. I don't know. I give it to the IBP. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very interesting, uh, Ferdie. Kulang um, uh, But uh, you know, uh, we would like to hear from you some more. But see uh, mm, next we stand, time. Yes, oh, so I,
4: I-, I was even prepared until twelve o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for,
3: for, for uh, accepting our invitation to be oh, sure, our really guest I mean. here. And uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Good yeah, luck yeah. for the elections next year.
4: Thank you.
2: Thank So it's been a pleasure to be <laughs> to ah, So it's be ma- been a pleasure to be And um, of course, um, the Open Bar Season 2 would also like to acknowledge those behind the scenes. Attorney Ayan Vincent Matikahon for directing this episode, Attorney Christopher John Menguito, who just celebrated his birthday, and Attorney King Anthony Perez for their editorial assistance.
1: Uh, thank you again, Sir Ferdy, for accompanying Welcome us. My pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, we keep our episodes packed because we know that our target listeners, uh, they're always uh, rushing off to somewhere, uh the lawyers. So uh, to our other listeners out there, old and new, if you like what you've heard, uh, please help us share the word tell your friends and um, help us, uh, help them find us on Facebook and Spotify and hit the like and or subscribe button.
3: We look forward to having more people here in our podcast until our next episode here at the Open Bar!
0: Make sure to catch next month's episode of Open Bar Season 2 by subscribing to the show at Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Links can be found on our Facebook page, Open Bar Podcast. The views expressed by the host and their guests are their own and are not endorsed by the producers and the sponsors of this podcast. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.